What's going on, coaches? Hopefully everyone's doing well. Um, welcome to our second episode of the week. I'm so glad that we get to start doing this again. Uh, we really get to ramp up all of our uh, recordings, and so we get to learn a bunch, and we get to throw it over to you guys as well. Um, Coach Flynn just sent us uh, some more videos, so we're going to be adding to uh, his episodes or his series on uh, RTP premium on special teams. He's got his hands team on there. And so we'll be loading it up this month. And then here in the next few months, uh, loading the other videos that he's sent us. So we're excited about that and excited to keep adding to all of our different series and even adding a few series. If we get uh, the physical location that we're hoping to get uh, here soon, get some coaches actually in physically into uh Tulsa or Broken Arrow and and uh, get them up on a whiteboard, get them watching film and have some, uh, you know, hour, two, three hours of just talking football and, and being able to put that up on video uh, up on RT premium, RTP premium as well. So if you guys need anything from us, go check out everything we've got going on at runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product, as you guys know, and it's been a game changer for us. We love the playbook tools allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes. Uh, obviously, you guys know plays like power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, and even some wide zone for us this year, uh, and formation so we can save time and be more productive, which is what it's all about, especially in the offseason. Uh, they have a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended but won't last forever. Um, so get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait. Go do it today. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Dan Woolley. Coach Woolley is the OC at Scott High School in Taylor Mill, Kentucky. Listen as we talk with Coach Woolley about his excellent football journey, how R4 has helped his offense, and his unique situation at Scott High School and moving from a head coach to an offense coordinator. You can follow Coach Woolley on Twitter at TheCoachWoolley. Hope you guys enjoy. said coach Dan Woolley I've been coaching I just finished up my uh I think my 18th year coaching uh from the uh northern Kentucky area which is right south of Cincinnati uh literally about uh, we're basically in the Cincinnati you know uh suburbs but there's a river that separates us from Cincinnati uh so right over here in Kentucky and um uh played high school at Beachwood High School which is one of the uh top small uh schools in the state of Kentucky uh, was fortunate enough to be on <clears throat> three state championship teams in high school. Uh, we won my junior and senior year and uh, lost my sophomore. And uh, I think during the nineties, my high school ended up winning seven state championships, six state championships in the nineties. So very, very successful, um, uh, smaller, smaller program. Uh, from there, I went on to uh, <clears throat> play defensive line at Georgetown college. Uh, and was on uh, uh, some very, very, very good teams there. Had a lot of great players and coaches there. And we, we were fortunate enough to win two national championships and uh, national runner-up, uh, national championships, NAIA national champions in uh, 2000 and 2001, national runner-up in uh, 
and uh, the year before in 99. So uh, had a very, very successful playing career. Uh, like I said, surrounded by a lot of great coaches and, and players and then uh, moved on to a smaller school uh, or a school up back home, uh, back in this area, Lloyd Memorial High School. Coached there uh, for about six years. Uh, moved over to Scott High School um, in 2008. I actually applied for the head coaching job, and the guy that got it was my uh, defensive coordinator from college. Uh, so he asked me to come with him and uh, was coach there, was offensive coordinator and assistant head coach for four years under him and learned a lot. And then I took over the program uh, in 2012, uh, took over as head coach, and then uh, went and coach was head coach for seven years. And then I stepped down after last season. I uh, got a, I, right now I have a seven month old and a three and a half year old and wanted to spend a little bit more time with my, my family at this age. And then uh, I was fortunate enough, the guy that got the job, Coach Eric Turner, uh, I've known him for several years and uh, he asked me to stay on. So a little bit of a weird situation, uh, but I was able to stay on at the school because I really like the school and the kids. And uh, um, so uh, it's kind of a little, like I said, a little weird going from head coach to assistant coach, but we all made it work. And, uh, you know, shout out to Coach Turner for giving me the opportunity. Yeah, because that could be a, a really difficult position depending on uh, yeah. who, the, who the guy was that used to be the head coach and then the kind of guy that, that took over as the head coach. I mean, it would be very, very easy for that to, uh, you know, not probably not go well. Yeah, uh, I agree. And I think, you know, like I said, it helps that I've known Coach Turner and I actually tried to, uh, you know, hire him before he got his first head coaching job, uh, trying to hire him after my first year uh, to be on my staff. So I've known him for several years, and I think part of it was he was, uh, you know, like I said, we've known each other and then comfortable with the fact that, uh, you know, I, I, I think I could have, you know, had the chance to stay there for a while and done the job, but it was at that point right now uh, in my life uh, with family and, and stuff that I really didn't want the, the head coaching responsibility. Uh, and like I said, uh, you know, as a head coach, you're, you know, you're pretty much on call, you know, most days and, and most hours. Um, and so, like I said, just wanted to be able to spend a little bit more time with the family. And, uh, you know, uh, so I mean, that's, got, that's kind of it. Like I said, just, you know, the fact that the uh, being able to not, you know, not really want it. And, you know, I'd have kids come up and tell me, hey, coach, I, you know, I can't be a practice day. I'd look up and say, I'm not the head coach anymore. You know, go talk, <laughs> talk to Coach Turner. That's right. They get, you know, I think that for a while they do a little puzzled look. I'm like, I, I don't want any, I, I don't want this, you know. Um, and, um, but it, it worked out great. You know, it, it, we had a pretty successful season uh, for our school. Like I said, I talk a little bit about our history at Scott and uh, we went eight and five which was the second tied for the second most wins in school history so we did a good job of uh, coming in and he, he coach Turner ended up retaining a lot of guys I had on my staff and brought in a few of his own and like I said it really worked well and uh, you know I had a good season. Coach, talk a little bit about you know having some of that that extra time and and some of that that workload off and and you know, is it something where, you know, maybe you find find yourself missing some of those things as a head coach, or is it one of those things where you're like, man, I don't miss that at all, and, I, and I'm really enjoying, you know, having the, the extra time with my, my kids and enjoying my role? 
you know, I, right now, like I said, I'm, I'm really enjoying my time uh, and, and what I did this year. You know, it, it, the season's obviously always a grind, no matter what you're doing as a coach. But it's, you know, starting in the off season now and, you know, getting back in the weight room a little bit and being able to kind of show up a little bit here and there, but not having to organize and run things. Um, and, you know, it, it's definitely a load off. And it's just, you know, being a head coach anymore, like I said, it's almost another, you know, if you're going to do it right, I think it's, it's, it's dang near another full-time job. And um, besides teaching, um, so like I said, there's so much responsibility with not just the, the X's nose and the football part, but the, you know, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, talk with teachers about grades and kids and fundraising and parents and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's so much you have to do besides just the, the coaching part that you, that you really love. Um, so, you know, I, I really didn't, at this point didn't really miss some of the stuff, but, you know, like I said, I was fortunate enough that I know coach Turner and I had a good relationship with him. If, you know, if I saw something I thought I could talk to him and tell him, but at the end of the day, ultimately, you know, it's his decision. He's the one that's getting, you know, getting paid the big bucks. And, uh, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm the type of person I'm going to tell him how I feel and if he's going to deal with it how he wants and, you know, that, that's his choice. And I'm, I'm happy to do that, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to tell him what I think just so I, I'd rather, I always say I'd rather say it, you know, than not say it, you know, you know what I mean on that? Because uh, just to kind of get it, uh, get it off your chest, I guess you say, but you know, you don't want to sit back and not say anything. So if you see something that needs to be addressed. So coach, how, how long did you go uh, before becoming a head coach? Uh, I had coached uh, about 10 years or so, about 10 years or so. What's a good what's a good year or what's a good point in your life or in your football coaching career that, that when maybe younger coaches come up and ask you, you know, I think I'd like to be a, a head coach, but I don't know if I'm ready or, or I want it to be by this certain age or, uh, you know, a, a lot of a myriad of different things. What's some advice that you sometimes give those guys now that you've been on both sides, assistant and head coach, and now you've taken a little bit of time away from being a head coach. So you can get a little more time with your family. What's some advice maybe that you would give to a, a young guy who's who's working up in the ranks? You know, I think one of the things is you, you hear people or guys say that, you know, I want to be a head coach by the time I'm 30 or 20, whatever whatever arbitrary date there is. And I, I don't really think that's something that, you know, when I was younger I probably said the same thing. Um, but, you know, it's got to be the right circumstance and the right fit for you. You know, you could be a head coach at – at a you know a very young age but if it's not the right fit and the right circumstance for you uh you know it's it's not really worth chasing that that title uh you know um because there's a lot that you don't know um you know it, it's one of those jobs i think that you're never going to be as ready as you need to be uh but when you walk into the job you probably think you are ready but then you start getting hit with the 10 million things you got to do and didn't even know you had to do um you're never going to be prepared for it until it's on it's on the job, you know, uh, training. It's kind of like student teaching, you know. You're there and you can, you know, you can be a great assistant and uh, do a lot for your head coach and run the, you know, ins and outs. And you're running this fundraiser and, and running weights and that and all that stuff. But, um, you know, you're it's a little bit different when you're the one that's, you know, the, the buck stops with you and you're going to yeah. You know, with administration and parents and different things like that, there's all kinds of things like, you know, you didn't know if you've ever been a teacher, you know, it's like once they short, shut the door on the first day and it's your own classroom, it's, it's a lot different when you don't have a supervising teacher there, you know, kind of holding your hand. 
Well, well, that's, you know, always interesting to me that this point is, you know, I got to go and, and I'm an offensive line coach. And, and then, you know, last year, middle of the year, they started letting me uh, call the JV games as, as the, the play caller and, and all that. And, you know, basically just to be nice and take something off the OC. Yeah. Uh, and what that did for me was made me, you know, I think a lot better assistant coach um, to be able to help our coordinator um, on that end, you know, didn't, didn't make me a better offensive line coach necessarily, but help me, yeah. you know, know what maybe helps an offensive coordinator. What can I go with them that is maybe annoying and doesn't help them at all or, or is a detriment and what can, what's beneficial or what's beneficial on game night form and, and all of these different things. Um, what are maybe some takeaways that you've had uh, going to be a head coach and now that you can take for yourself, but then, uh, you know, selfishly impart on other assistant coaches that you've learned that, you know, maybe some things that don't help that maybe you would think would as an assistant coach and, and maybe some things that you're like, man, I wish all my assistant coaches knew this because this would really help out a head coach. Um, you know, like I said, one of the things, you know, I think assistants got to try to realize is there's a lot of things that, you know, you're doing as a head coach that the assistants don't realize you're doing. You know, and everybody that wants to be a head coach, you know, you see the Friday nights and the interviews in the paper and all that stuff. But, you know, like I said, you don't see the the meetings and, and all the other stuff and the paperwork you got to fill out and uh, making sure you're doing this this requirement and that. So just as an assistant coach, just kind of, you know, being aware, even talking to your head coach and saying, you know, hey, is there something I can take off your plate? You know, and not only does that give you ex good experience for if you want to move up the ranks and become a head coach, but just showing you. Um, you know, what they go through and you understand you're getting a little bit a part, a part of that, you know, and as far as like, I guess, you know, the football side of it, I think one of the things that to understand is the, you know, everybody's got ideas and, you know, people see stuff and people got their own experiences with football. They want to run, but you know, uh, when you're, when you got a system or, you know, or an offense or defense or whatever, you know, is the head coach and coordinator, you know, you want ideas and you don't want to, you know, you want to make everybody feel valued, listen, because, you know, Lord knows that, you know, I know I don't know it all, but at the same time, you got to come up with ideas that fit within the system that you're doing and not just something that, you know, you saw or you like, or you didn't do. And mm -hmm. you know, there's so many great offenses and defensive schemes out there uh, and they all work, you know, it's just, it doesn't work for you and what you guys are trying to accomplish. So, and that a lot of times is the younger coaches, and I know I was the same way. You know, oh, I saw this on, you know, Oklahoma did this last night, so we should try it, run it. <laughs> that's exactly right. You know, that's great when you've had, you know, you several Heisman, you know, trophy quarterbacks there, but, you know. Well, it's also good, like you said, when that's your system uh, and you're running some of those things, but then you're at a high school that's uh, in, you know, 22 personnel or whatever, um, it would take. Yeah weeks for you to try to put something like that in just for one play yeah, yeah. It's, it's the you know the cost benefit analysis of her you know if, if that's something that you like and you think you could, would help your team great how do how can we get it close to what we do mm -hmm. you know, and bring that to them so you know it's a fine line as a coordinator a head coach between shooting people down but also not overwhelming you know making it where your playbook gets you know unwieldy and, and your kids don't understand what's going on you know, I think that was something that uh, – and I think Walls did a lot of great things as an offense coordinator, but I think that was one of the things that uh, – and I assume he did it on purpose, but uh, he was really, really good at taking bad ideas or ideas that didn't fit and somehow molding them into 
where you would come to him with it, and um, I'm sure it was a lot more uh, on his plate because of it, but and he would mold it into a way like he liked it, but then he would change it into what he wanted, but made yeah. it seem like it was coming from you. Yeah. And that's the thing also for, you know, head coaches and coordinators, I think you've got to, you've got to kind of do that a little bit because you've got to listen to your guys and you've got to let them take ownership in what they're doing. But, you know, cause if, cause if you're just constantly, people are bringing you some ideas and you're no, 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 it's not, doesn't work for us, this and that. then you know, you're not giving those guys the initiative to, to learn and get better themselves because, you know, they're, they're thinking that their ideas aren't going to be, you know, considered. So yeah, I think, I think that's a, a, a huge thing you, you have to do is, you know, being able to, to manage those guys. And, I mean, I, I just liken it back to the, to the classroom. I mean, you, you want kids to be engaged. You want kids to be active in your classroom, you know, so you ask questions. You want to have discussion. You want them to do things. Well, then the instant, you know, the kid raises his hand and, and answers the question and it's wrong, you know, I have yeah. to find a way to massage that, you know. To massage that a little bit to be like, yeah, I, yeah. I see what, but I kind of, yeah, you're wrong, but I see where you're coming from. No, I, yeah, I understand that. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's exactly, and it's exactly the same thing when you're, when you're managing the guys on your staff. It's like, yeah, hey, I think that's a great idea. Not completely does it fit where we're at, but I think, yeah, it stimulates thought and maybe, you know, now the, the discussion goes someplace and then yeah. that kid feels like, you know, it, it's still a safe place for them to, you know, hey, make a mistake. But at yep. the same time, they're going to keep raising their hand. They're going to keep offering it because they know that's the, the yep. atmosphere you have in the classroom. And that's the atmosphere you have in the meeting room. Hey, I want you to bring an idea, and I can't shoot yep. it down every single time because they'll stop bringing me ideas. Yeah, because one of those, you know, because we all know that one of those times they're going to bring you something that's absolute gold. That you're right. It's going to help you, and it's going to help you right then and there immediately that you can use. Yeah, I always wanted to create at least, a, you know, create create that that kind of cultural of you know you know creativity competition and things like that and then also you know maybe there's somebody over there that's not as confident yet one of your younger yeah. guys find that sweet spot like hey you you're really good at this just focus on that now and and bring me one or two things every single week and then as they gather that confidence now you start letting them kind of roll with some different things and and I think then when, once you've had that continuity of a staff together for a long time now, it, it probably becomes kind of like you know each other like the back of your hand and the game plan's done in, in literally a matter of hours because you, you already kind of know it. Yeah, I agree with you on that, definitely. Coach, is there anything – do you, do you kind of see yourself getting back into to being a head coach again or you think that's something, you know, hey, I'll, I'll wait and, and see if it – if it kind of, you know, if the opportunity arises or if I feel like that or right now you just kind of content like, you know what, man, I'm, I'm kind of liking life. I know people have asked me that a few times, like, hey, you in a big hurry to get back to be a head coach? And I think every time I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm having a blast doing run the power of being an assistant. Yeah. You know, I think right now just, you know, it's the same thing for you. It just depends on the, you know, the opportunities and, mm -hmm. and, and what you have. You know, um, I'm one that right now I'm happy where, where I'm at and I love what I'm doing. I love where I'm teaching and I love where I'm coaching. Um, you know, it depends on the job as they come open and that kind of stuff. And uh, if I, if I would apply for a, a job, you know, but right now I'm content where I'm at. Do I see myself being a head coach again? Probably, hopefully in the future, maybe, I don't know. You know, I still got to get hired, go through the interview process and get hired, but, you know, yeah, it could happen, but at the same time, it's nothing I'm in a rush for or, you know, it's nothing that if I don't do it, I don't think, you know, my coaching career is going to be a failure or anything like that. It's just, you know, it just depends on the opportunities out there. 
Coach, being a head, a head coach for a while, um, you know, obviously that interview process, uh, you've been through it, and, and I'm sure even as an assistant at times uh, with, you know, coordinating different things that uh, you're asked to sit in on some of those um, uh, interviews. What are some things that, that you're looking for in a guy uh, when, you're, when you're interviewing them and, and trying to find a, a spot, say an assistant, or maybe it is different if you're looking for an assistant or a coordinator between the two, but what are some things that maybe you're looking for uh, trying to get that right hire because, you know, you only get so many, so many coaches to help you out and, and you hate to miss on one. Yeah. You know, and that's another thing, you know, like I said, it's tough, you know, you go in and have a few interviews and you talk to Jeff references and you never know how it's, how it's going to be when bringing a, in a coach in. I mean, we've got a great staff and, and thoroughly enjoy each other. And, and we talked about that of, you know, in the past, if you bring this guy in and, you know, what's the, you got to kind of look at the, what the balance is and what's that going to bring. And could that throw off the good things, you know, you have within a staff because, um, you know, you definitely don't want if if you if you have a toxic environment in your coach's office, you know that's not going to be good, and that's going to creep down to the kids. Um, so I think the number one thing is trying to make sure and find out if they're going to be, be a good fit. But you know, I don't know that anybody that has a has a monopoly on that. You know, that system of finding that out. Um, I would probably say though the number one thing I look for with an assistant, you know, is the just if they're just a position coach is you know do they are they uh, you know why do, the number one question I always ask is why do you want to why do you want to coach, you know why do you want to coach at this level, mm-hmm. uh, and just trying to find out you know, uh, I you know I, I want to surround myself with good people and 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 the uh, and my kids the, the, with good people too and I and I and I firmly believe you know. Uh, at, at the high school level, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that that are that are great guys, and and you want those guys around your kids because I can I I believe in enough of my I you know when I was head coach I believed in enough of myself and my staff that you know we could teach a guy that maybe was lacking a little bit in football knowledge, uh, but I couldn't teach a guy, you know I don't think you can teach a grown man to be to be loyal at that point. He either is or he isn't, or to be a you know a man of character. And to be an upright member of the community. So number one for me uh, was always that. It was looking at how they're going to fit and are they going to be a good role model for our kids. Um, because like I said, the X's nose at the end of the day, uh, you know, can be taught. Uh, but, but that other stuff I really don't believe, you know, can. You, by, by the time you're an adult and you're looking to get a coaching job, you know, you kind of are set in your ways of who you are. Um, so for a position coach, I'd say that for a coordinator, obviously, you know, you got to find somebody that, you know, obviously the X's nose are vitally important in that, in that system and that, in that position, because he's got to be able to teach the system and to make sure that you find somebody that, uh, you know, understands and contrasts is going to be okay or complements your, your, you know, style of offense or defense, you know, whatever coordinator you're looking for, for, you know, at that particular time. You know, if you're if you're a spread up tempo team, you got to make sure that you're the guy you're hiring, and you're looking for a defensive coordinator. And you're going to have to make sure that he's understand that his guy's going to be out on the field a lot, right? Okay, mm-hmm. And he's going to be okay with that, and not not get worried about the stats and stuff like that. You know, but the the worried about the only stat that matters, and that's you know at the end of the day is is you're judged on a team, you know, by your wins and losses, and being able to you know complement each other like that. I think that's a huge part of it. 
Yeah, I love what you said about, you know, the, the ability to, to trust somebody and, and their character just because, I mean, there, there's so much research out there now about, you know, guys' credibility, you know, and, and I think so many people get it wrong to where they think it's, you know, how much I know or, or how much I, I can impart to kids. I mean, kids see right through it. If they can't trust you, you know, if you're, if you're you've involved yeah. in infidelity or you're not showing up at work or whatever it might be, you know, the, the kids and your colleagues see that right now. And it doesn't matter what you know at that point because they, they've already turned you off. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's a deal breaker. You know, at the end of the day, I mean, the, you know, statistics tell us what, 6% of kids are going to go on to play in college, you know. So obviously we want to give our, our kids the best chance they can. But, you know, for, for I guess, you know, 94% of our kids, you know, high school football is the end of the road. Um, and so we're, we're trying to not only win football games, but help prepare them for life, um, you know, and to be better, you know, men, fathers and husbands and citizens. And, you know, I look back at some of the coaches I had with Coach Burnett and Coach Stoll, Coach Yagle, the guys that I had in high school. And, you know, I, I had great parents and I know how much those guys did for me. And, you know, more and more in our society today, we see kids that don't come from the, you know, the sturdy families that, that, that uh, you know, that, that I know I had. And that we, you know, our coaching, myself and the coaching staff, you have maybe the only positive male role models in those kids' life. Um, so you got to make sure that, you know, those guys are there for the right reasons. Because, you know, ultimately it's about these kids having fun. And, yeah, you want to – it's fun to win games. But ultimately it's about, you know, making sure these kids are successful uh, in life. Because most of them, like I said, this is their last chance at playing footballs in high school. Coach, you know, when, when you had guys, um, again, you had maybe younger guys or, or assistants that talked to you, and, and I think always the big question, and it's kind of both ways. And I don't know, maybe it's always a, in a positive way, but, but then it seems like some head coaches say the right thing but don't believe the, that, that thing that they say. But what do you tell your assistant coaches that – that are wondering, hey, should I go apply for this job? Should I should I go through the interview process? Is that is that a bad thing? When when should these guys tell, uh, in, in your opinion, tell a head coach that they're going uh, to go interview for this other job somewhere else? What what are some uh, maybe some tips or or some knowledge that you would drop on on an assistant wondering those things? You know, I think that I you know I I, I never had I haven't had been blessed with having. I've been blessed with having a lot of, you know, older guys uh, that are, you know, a lot of paraprofessionals, but haven't had too many young guys. Um, but, you know, as a head coach, you want – I want young guys, and you want guys that want to move up in the coaching ranks and be and be there, you know. Uh, I think so. I think the, the first thing is, you know, if, if you're thinking about doing that, I think hopefully that you're in a situation where you can and that, that you would want to be up front with your head coach and let him know. And I was hoping that the head coach is going to assist you in that whatever, you know, way he can. Just like we're, you know, we're happy when we go and see our kids play in college. You know, I want to be, you know, have my coaches that move on for whatever reason, that you still want them to be successful. Um, and you want them to grow and, and be able to, uh, to uh, you know, spread, spread what, 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 what they've learned uh, from you and, and spread it elsewhere and help kids. And I'm never going to be mad at a, a coach for trying to take a better thing for themselves, even if it's a lateral move position-wise, if it's something that they think that's better for them or their family. You know, I'm not going to talk them out of that. I don't have the right to, the right to do that, you know. Um, so I want them to, to, to go out and, and go, and if there's interviews and stuff, and, you know, go take the interview because, you know, you, you may get the ball, job, you may not, but there's always the experience there. 
Uh, and like I said, there's a lot of guys that, uh, you know, interview, interviewing, we all know, can be a tough, nerve-wracking thing. And, uh, you know, it's something that uh, most people don't get the job the first time they interview. So you kind of have to have a few practice runs in front of you, I think. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's something where I say, go, you know, go for it. Coach, man, I can hear, you know, you're, you're losing your voice a lot like me. So uh, I'm, I'm guessing you can get, a, get excited every now and again. Um, what, what are some things, you know, that, you know, when you talk about you wanted to get into coaching and you wanted to coach, you know, football and, and you wanted to coach these X's and O's or plays, what, what are some things that just kind of get you juiced? I mean, no matter what, you know, I, I know when, when it becomes the off season, there's always going to be one or two things that just gets me psyched and I want to go back and I want to look at what, what are some, th- some of those kind of things that just can kind of get you, man? Like, you know what, the juices just keep flowing and I keep wanting to coming back for more and more. You know, I think one of the things that I do, and I don't know, you know, is I, I kind of try to – I'm at the point now where I, I, I think I'm smart enough to finally start realizing what I don't know uh, instead of thinking I know it all like I did when I was younger. And so uh, just going out and, you know, really excited about learning different things. I mean, we've been pretty much a, a power run team, uh, but I think we're probably going to end up transitioning almost – this year we were probably 50-50 power run, a version of a single wing, but a uh, modified single wing, I guess you would say, with, but we had a quarterback. And, um, you know, we'll probably be transitioning next year to the full-time uh, spread just because of personality or personnel. Um, so just going out and learning new systems and stuff like that as far as the X and O's of things you, you know, don't know. And, uh, you know, even if you don't have any, you know, thoughts of changing – you know, it's always good to go out and learn, you know, the new stuff because it does one of two things. I think, hey, you can find something that you can tweak and use to, to your uh, – in your offense or defense in your scheme. But also at the same time, if it's something you look at and you learn and, you know, maybe you don't like it, you know, I think that kind of makes you that much more, um, you know, confident in what you do, you know, and so you can uh, – defend you know why you do what you do I guess you could say for backup lack of a better term um you know because you do have knowledge uh, of it um you know it's kind of kind of like I guess you'd say the political discourse in this country now you have people that say that you know there's there's two sides they either you know love Trump or hate Trump and mm-hmm. not not getting political but you know if you ask most of the people why they probably couldn't tell you anything related to policy it's probably just some you know kind of bland you know, bland saying that they heard, heard somewhere. And I think, you know, that's the thing with your scheme is being able to defend it and know why you like it and why, uh, why you like yours, what you do better than, uh, you know, maybe something else and why it works best for you. And, and when you have more knowledge, you know, you can have a much more intelligent conversation about that with, with your staff and also, you know, with yourself, like I said, reaffirming what you do. Coach, when you're out on the on the trail and and you know going to clinics or meeting with college coaches or watching film in the off season, uh, obviously looking for for anything you can get a hold of. But um, do you do you have a, a set certain few things that that you're always trying to look for, or maybe even that you're really trying to specifically look for this year? Um, I ask because, uh, and I've talked about it before, but. The one time I got to go to a big clinic, or the first time I got to go to a big clinic with with Coach Walls, uh, was in Michigan, and I'll never forget. You know, he, he asked the guy, um, "Hey, what's your what's your favorite? Uh, I don't remember. I think it was two point player. It's fourth and three or fourth and six on the goal line. What are you calling?" Uh, and 
and not not looking for the trick play, but you know he's his really was trying to get to, you know if if it's really nut cutting time, what do you call him because it, it really works down in the red zone, um, and, and I really tried to steal that from him and have one really good poignant question when I go into some of these um, clinics and discussions with with college coaches so I can you know maybe grab something like that from them. Is there something that really specifically you're looking for this year or maybe that you're looking for every year to be able to to add on or uh, be able to have some contingencies with your offense and with its scheme? You know, I mean, I think this year for us in the offseason, we're really looking at, you know, I just met with a, a coach from the area today that's been a head coach and coordinator at different places. Just We're really just looking – you know, it's the passing game and trying to modernize what we do and understand and, you know, kind of looking at a lot of the air raid stuff just because they've got some, you know, pretty great but simple yet great concepts that can overlap uh, lots of things and uh, different formations and stuff. And there's a lot of, like I said, that influence in, in a lot of offenses, especially, you know, your, your spread in the, in the college and now you're even in seeing in the NFL. So just kind of learning that because for a while I was – you know, the younger coach, you know, didn't like that for, for whatever reason. And, um, uh, you know, now I'm kind of learning, you know, to, you know, to quote Coach Maddox, you know, uh, his book, you know, Coach, Coach Doug Maddox, you know, you got to kind of adapt or die. And, you know, with our personnel, I think that's something that we're going to have to do is be able to, you know, change, change, what we, change what we do schematically. So that's kind of really what I'm looking at this offseason heavily myself. That is one thing as, as, a, as for me, a personally, a, just kind of a dumb offensive line coach that doesn't know much about the passing game is, is uh, with that type of, with, um, you know, with, with Dub's type of offense, with, with Coach Walls's, uh, that type of an offense, it does seem, um, to me anyways, you know, it, maybe it's just the way that, that Walls has, has taught me it, but it, it does seem uh, really simple for, um, for quarterbacks and, and for you to see, hey, if there's open space, go to it. If not, you know, find other thing. I know there's, I know there's more to it, but at least the day one, day two stuff seemed uh, really simple for me, which uh, it's not even really all that interesting to me yet, uh, but I just kind of know I need that to, to round me out as a coach. So trying to learn it, trying to struggle through it. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when you talk about Coach Maddox, you know, his initial stuff with, you know, uh, I work with him a little bit at the, in the National Football Academies. That's kind of how I got to know him a, a little bit. And, you know, his R4 system, you know, there, and I don't, I don't haven't studied too much of his new stuff besides reading his books a little bit. Um, but, you know, the initial R4 for the passing game of just, you know, breaking everything down, of, you know, rhythm, read, rush, release, you know, for all your routes and thinking of it in that way is just, it's so simple, yet it's, you know, so profound. Um, because it's, you know, it's very simple concept, but once you think about it, if you can take that and apply it to all the stuff you're doing, you know, in your passing game, it starts to make a lot of sense. And it's, you know, you've got a lot of great guys out there that are doing a lot of great things. And, you know, it's not just about the X's nose, but, you know, with, with dub stuff, it's a lot about, you know, it's like they talk about the operating system. You know, it's not the, it's not the programs, it's the operating system. It's not uh, what's, what the offense that you run, but the how uh, you know how you're teaching the kids to it, and I think that's and not even the kids, but you know the coaches too. And you know, so when you get guys coming in your, um, you know, program or you know on Friday night, so you can all kind of speak that common language. 
Yeah, you know, I don't think. Yeah, go ahead. I was just saying. I mean, yeah, if you're not if you're not speaking the same language and you're not on the same page, I mean, it's it's literally going to be impossible, like you said, to 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 try to. I mean, again, I you talk about being simple and profound. You know, I once had a coach tell me, "Okay, you're you're an OC now, right?" And and obviously, you know what the first word means. You're an off offensive right coordinator. You know the first word. You're coaching offense, but the second part. Listen, look at the root word of coordinator. You need to coordinate everything. Everything needs to work together. Everything needs to be connected. And that's going to start with your coaching staff. Well, if we can't even speak the same language and we can't talk to each other the same, how on God's green earth can we possibly be coordinated? And, th and that simple yet profound statement really, really made me go back. And then working, you know, a few years with Dub really made me go back and, and look at those things. And it's like, wow, if we can't speak the same language, what, how are we possibly going to be coordinated here? Yeah. And if you're not speaking the same language, there's no way the kids are going to, you know, be at the level they need to, because, you know, you got two coaches to tell them the exact same things probably, but they're putting it different ways. Um, and the kids just going to be, you know, confused. You know, that's that's one of my, I guess, you know, pet peeves of of the football world is there's so many different terminologies for the for, for the same thing. And there's so many words that mean different things to different people. You know, if, you know, if you're talking about talking about the belly, you know, or you talk about the veer belly, the, the wing T belly series, you know, it, it's the same word, but it means, you know, 15 th different things to 15 different people. So you got to make sure that we're all on the same page. So we know what that means. and Our kids know what that means. Well, and then same as, as, you know, defensive coverages. Those are just as bad. Uh, yeah. I, I, sent a, I spent out, you know, a few years ago, I'm going to learn from defensive coverages. I quit by week two. I said, I don't know. I'm not there yet. I'm just going to have to wait till next season because it was just uh, the, the amount of things that people called the exact same thing. And, oh, that's cover four, but our four is, yeah. um, you know, a true cover four, and their four is just a match two. And, and then I'm yeah. like, well, what's match two? Well, match two could be stubby or this or this. And I'm like, guys, I just need to know the, the basics right now. You guys are killing me. You're flooding me with information. So um, I think they do it on purpose to screw with offensive guys. But, no, um, I, I just, <laughs> it gets, you know, it, it can be really, really tough if, if you don't have an exact way that you're calling everything. And then same thing, I, I, you know, our coordinator a lot of time will ask our receivers coach, hey, break down the coverages for me. Well, then you get a new – new, uh, uh, you know, receivers coach in, and, and they're calling same coverage the other guy called, something completely different. Now we're breaking down film, and it's a completely different coverage, which isn't as big of a deal, but just, again, something else that's different and that, that we're doing, and it's, um, uh, it, it, can, it can get to be a bunch after five, six, seven years. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like I said, the more you, the more you learn – you know, and the, and the, and the more that you learn the different things, and, and sometimes that's good, but sometimes you learn more terminology. It just, you know, it can it bog you down. I think sometimes we as coaches are really good at taking simple concept, comp, concepts and making them really complex. Well, that was, you know, even when I was first, when I was first learning, uh, you know, passing routes even and concepts, but, but more specifically even routes, it really confused me when, when the guy ran an in that sometimes it's an in, and if it's a little bit further, it's a dig, and if it's a little bit further, it's it's this. And I was just like, well, I think it's just all being in, and see the five, ten, or fifteen yard in, but they're all ins, and then you get outs, and then 
verticals. And then you can do a couple other things off of that. But that always confused me too. And now it makes a little bit more sense. And I, and I guess I understand it. But um, man, at first trying to learn that stuff, uh, it was really, really confusing. But what I will say about that is, is I think that it's important for those um, young coaches to ask those questions because yes. I think that some of those really smart coordinators forget how little that the kids know, you know? Yeah. And, and so if, if your young coach is getting confused on well, why do we call this other stuff? And, you know, why, why are we calling three different routes that, that are going the same place? Basically, why are we calling something different? Oh man, that coordinator might not have thought about that in 15 years. He's known it so well. Oh, but, but you know, his kids are going to be thinking the same thing. So now, okay, well, let's make sure we explain it to them. Um, make sure I can explain it to my coach really well. And then let's, let's take a day tomorrow and, and really, you know, nail into that and tell our kids or, hey, maybe is there an easier way to think of that? And I think, you know, young coaches are very, very helpful, helpful when it comes to some of those things. Yeah, and I think, you know, something you kind of remind him of it for the young coaches is, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions, you know, especially if you go into a clinic or something like that because, you know, you may know exactly what they're talking about, but just because they use a different terminology or a different word, you're lost. And then that whole, you know, that whole session is wasted just because you didn't understand that one little thing. Well, if I called it something different, you'd be you know, right on board with me. And, and I think there's a lot of that, like I said, because, you know, especially with the advent, I think of, you know, the internet and Twitter and as much as we use that with football and coaching and learning now, it's almost like we're bogged down with information. You know, there's so much out there that we now as coaches have access to uh, today that coaches, you know, 20, 30 years ago didn't have. Uh, but sometimes, like I said, you get, you know, the, the, that information overload, um, and you're watching, you know, five different videos on this, you know, mesh concept or something, and it's being taught, and, and the routes are called five different things. Um, so just making sure that, you know, you can kind of clarify that, I think is a pretty, pretty big thing for younger coaches. Coach, when you were starting off, you know, do, doing some of this R4 stuff with Dub, I like to ask a lot of these, these coaches because, you know, I, like I said, I was in the same boat when, when I started to learn it back with them in, in 2010. You know, what were some of the early questions that you had or what was kind of like, you know, Dub, where do I start? You know, what, what were some of the things you've kind of, you know, as you can go a long way down that rabbit hole, what, what were kind of some of the concepts and questions you wanted to know right away and, and where you would start as you guys go on this journey? Yeah, God, I can't, I can't even think of all the questions I tried to ask Dub, you know, because I work with him at NFA, so I the National Football Academy is doing some camps, so I had his phone number, so I, I would blow him up and um, as much as I could when I was, you know, first getting into be, being a coordinator and, and, and first getting into be, being a head coach just because there was so much that I didn't know. Um, and, and like I said, just being, a, being an offensive defensive lineman in high school and defensive lineman in college, you know, the passing game really wasn't my uh, forte. Um, so just the understanding the, the whys and stuff like that, that's why I, you know, really liked the stuff that, that Dub was teaching and, and just because it was very simple, but yet once you learned it, it made, made a lot of sense. Coach, coming as an offensive, offensive line guy or even, you know, a guy that likes to run the ball, um, when you go to game plan as an offensive coordinator and you, and you put on the film Sunday and you get all your stuff ready and you're going to start game planning, uh, you know, where do you start your game plan? How does how does that process look when you're you're getting ready and you're game planning a team? You know, there's there's so many different ways to do it. Um, uh, it you know, I've heard guys 
you know, I, th- I think probably a really good way that um, that Brady does it, and I think he, I'm sure, I think got it from Dub as well. But obviously, breaks down uh, in huddle and, and goes through their formations first, and then that way, when you're breaking things down and, and you're even filling in fronts, now you can sort it by formation, and then you kind of just get the feel of how they're going to play different things uh, in in formations just by breaking it down by formations, um, all the rest of it. So uh, maybe that's part of it. But even more like, okay, we're, I'm, I'm sitting down. I'm going to game plan. Where's some of the first places you're looking? What are you looking to find? You know, some guys are, are hey, these are our three runs. What are the formations we can run them out of? Some guys, um, you know, look more, hey, what formations give us the best advantage? Or, um, you know, a, a lot of different ways you could go about that. And then some guys, I'm sure, even and start with the pass game or split it up or a million different ways I'm sure you can do it. But how, as an offensive coordinator, do you start going into your game planning uh, for a week? Uh, you know, th- this year was really the first year that I, I, I guess you would say I've, I've really had to do that a lot. I mean, in the past, we were so much, like I said, you know, overbalanced, uh, you know, a single wings overbalanced set, with, but we'd have a wide out. Um, you know, we, we really never knew how the defense was going to align because it wasn't much, um, you know, we couldn't really watch film and get the idea of how they were going to align because what we did was, you know, a lot different than what, than what we were going to see on film. Um, so, you know, in that case, we're, we're looking, definitely trying to look at personnel, uh, the biggest thing, uh, looking at their tendencies, seeing what they're reading. But the first place I'd usually always start, start being a, you know, being a, a, a true power you know, a power guy is, you know, the, that defensive end and just and, and seeing how he's going to play, uh, you know, the down block and the kick out is he's going to close and just different ways that we can m- manipulate that guy. Because, uh, you know, the edge player, um, you know, the defensive end, it's one of the hardest positions, I think, on the football field. I, I played it my sophomore year and I remember it got, if I got kicked out in sophomore year in high school, I got moved there. And if I got kicked out, I got yelled at. And if I got, uh, got got reached I got got yelled at too so you know I felt like I could never win there um and it's just and it's just you know being being able to put that guy in conflict and uh because that's like I said that's that's it it's a very simple thing for the offense if you can can win off off tackle you usually got a good shot at winning winning the game so so with with moving away from that are, are are there thoughts about maybe um, who you're going to put, or what body type kid you're going to put at what position on the offensive line? I think one of the reasons we're looking at is not so much of who we're going to put there, just the you know the adapting to what we have. Um, you know, I've, I've been blessed for the several you know past several years to have some really really big offensive linemen, and we've got well, I've got one returning lineman, and then we just lost a five thousand yard career rusher. So we're not going to be able. I don't. I don't. I don't know. But like I said, we're we're not thinking we're going to be able to move, you know, line up and impose our will on people like we've you know had some success sometimes in the past. Uh, so we've got to find a way to get the ball out. We've got you know a lot of a lot of pretty talented younger guys, and uh, that saw a lot of action at sophomores, and we're going to be relying on them a lot more, including quarterbacks and and wideouts and slots. And um, so you know, it's one of those things. Like I said, it's kind of you've got to. Uh, uh, adapt you know even though for so many years I've been a power guy like I said we're going to line up and run power and sweep and counter and and some wedge and that's and that's kind of what we do um you know I'm kind of having to to adapt to what we have um you know that's that's kind of the reason we got into that is um you know that was one of the things that was successful uh when I took over at at Scott it wasn't a very successful program um 
uh, I think in the past, before I took over, um, that from 90, when the school opened in the late 70s, they had won 21% of their games. And as, when I was head coach, we were fortunate enough to win 55% of the, of the games and ended up winning our first uh, district championships in uh, school history. And um, we're one play away from playing in the state semifinals, got beat on the last play of the game in, in 15. Um, so uh, I've always kind of looked at it as, um, you know, if we're going to compete with the teams, uh, some better teams that have guys better that are on paper, uh, that we can't do what they do um, because they're, they're better at it. You know, we had in, in our district the first year when I was offensive coordinator in 2008, we, uh, we had, you know, two of the top teams in Kentucky, Covington Catholic, who just won another state championship a few days ago, and then Fort Thomas Highlands, which are both, both at times, are sta- they're always state powers and, and, and ranked nationally. Uh, uh, some of the best programs in Kentucky. And those both teams were in our district. And, and uh, you know, when I got hired as offensive coordinator the first year, I said, we're not going to be able to beat them, you know, doing what they do. And we ran a lot of you know, it was shotgun jet sweep, which is basically a glorified version of the Wildcat. And then uh, we had a decent success that first year. And then um, in 2008, and then uh, the thing that happened that, that got us, hurt us a little bit was week, that was week five of that NFL season was when Miami played the Patriots and ran the Wildcat package. And then the next year, everybody in the world was doing it, you know. Um, so we kind of had to move on from there. And um like I said, tinkered with our first game as a head coach. Our uh, quarterback got my quarterback got knocked out at halftime, so we went to our short yardage package, which uh, was the double wing, and, and we ran the ball very successfully in the second half. Had like uh, two hundred and some yards, and then three touchdowns, three four touchdowns in the second half, and we kind of eventually, you know, moved into that, and uh, it ended up going double wing a lot, and then did a lot of did put our we had. Some, put our quarterback uh, in the shotgun and ran some shotgun double wing and then kind of went from there and then kind of developed to where we are, kind of tweaking things uh, each year by what we had. Coach, knowing that you guys will be probably making, you know, some some moves to to some spread work, what's kind of your plan then, you know, for the offseason, knowing that, you know, the the passing games that take a lot of timing, a lot of reps, making sure people are on the same page. How are you going to kind of manage that so, you know, it, it helps make it a little bit simpler when you guys do get into kind of install time? Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the first thing when I started the week after we, you know, we lost our last game is, you know, just going out there and learning stuff and watching things on the internets and clinics and videos. And there's a lot of, a lot of really good, good ones out there. <clears throat> excuse me and, and watching stuff and so we can and kind of get my some ideas in my head that we can kind of sit down together as a staff in the new you know after the holidays and say all right this is what we want to do and then kind of go and figure out how we want to install it you know these are the plays we definitely want to make sure we're running and these are the formations we want to make sure we're running and then figure out how we're going to uh you know install it in the spring and then in walkthroughs and different stuff like that and then in the spring and in the summer so just, you know, kind of learning what we're going to do. Uh, because like I said, we're kind of, I think, venturing into a little bit of unknown territory for us. But, you know, so it's that, that's life, man. You got you to gotta kind of adapt to what your players, you know, it's not like college where you can go out and recruit kids to fit your mm-hmm. system. You know, we got we to gotta, we gotta fix fit our system to our kids. Is that something where you guys, you know, the weather's good enough there or, you know, you guys you guys have facilities and things like that where you can get outside and, and have the kids throw a little bit or is that something you'd have to be completely done, you know, 
you know, in the gym. I know at, at Ankeny we throw in the off season and we can't really coach it, but you know, the only spots we have is, you know, the, the, the big gym we have and we can only get in there on Sunday night. So literally we open it up for, for Sunday nights for an hour and we get our guys in there and it's good work. But you know, what, what's your guys' situation kind of look like that in the off season? Yeah. I mean, getting inside is always, always hard. I mean, we're so always pressed for a room because we've got, you know, the basketball and then we've got a, we've got a field, a small field house, but then there's wrestlings in there and archery and all that stuff. So uh, and our quarterback is is playing basketball right now. So uh, once basketball's over, you know, we'll probably start, you know, hopefully the weather will be a little bit better, start getting out a little bit here and there and throwing and being able to do some walkthroughs and concepts here and there, a few minutes here and there after weights and kind of getting them to understand some of the concepts and walking through with, with the guys on the field. So when we hit spring, we're not just doing a total fresh install, but we've already done a lot of our, you know, I guess you would say pre-work. And so we can actually rep some of the stuff when we get into our spring ball. So uh, I think that's kind of what we're looking at now. Yeah, I always think it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, you look at all these state associations, you know, when they, when they talk about regulating football, you know, I get it from, you know, an, an, an offensive line, an inside run, an Oklahoma drill standpoint. But I always thought yeah. it was kind of ridiculous when it's like, hey, man, we're, we're, it's basically open gym. You know, when, you, when you're out there throwing the ball around. Yeah. And, and you still want to regulate on coaches to me that that stuff needs to be revisited. I, I don't know what the rules are in your guys' estate, but I know, you know, in theory, we're not supposed to be in there and coaching it. I, I think it's ridiculous to me. It's just like I'm, I'm coaching a kid how to shoot a basketball, you know, or, or I'm coaching a kid how to dribble with his right or left hand. They're, they're allowed to do those things, but then football coaches really aren't. Do you, do you guys run into any of that stuff in the state you're at? Uh, Kentucky, they, they've changed it. You're pretty much allowed to do – I mean, you can't do full contact, obviously, or anything outside, you know, wear helmets in the seasons. But if you want to go out and, you know, do – you know, throw the ball around, uh, awesome. you're, you're allowed to do that. It's just, it's just you can't make it, it – can't make it mandatory, you know. Um, <coughs> you know, it's kind of like now they've got fall baseball and stuff. They don't play any games, but they're allowed to practice and different things like that. Um, so they've kind of gotten better over that over the past 10 years where they've allowed people to do stuff. Cause a lot of the teams were doing it anyway. You know, you'd have, uh, you exactly. know, you'd hear about certain teams and they'd be their option teams and they're, they're going through and they're running their triple option. They're just running it with a tennis ball instead of a, a football, but they're still, you know, practicing uh -huh. the stuff mm -hmm. and they're, you know, they're, they're getting their basic reads and all that and all that stuff. So, you know, everybody kind of played the, you know, was always played the game and I think they kind of just, just decided, uh, you know, as long as you weren't making it mandatory and, you know, you're not having the contact, limiting the contact on the kids that, you know, if a kid wants to get better, it's hard for me to look at him and say, no, I can't, I can't help you. I think that's kind of stupid. That's you know, always you, you want to be better. But I'm that, that's always been Walls' biggest point, coach, is, is uh, I'm supposed to tell this coach, this kid that wants to get better, no, sorry, can't help you, go sit over there and figure it out. Why can't I, this kid that wants to learn and get better, why couldn't I help him get better yeah. no matter what time of the year it is? Yeah. No, I, I agree with you 100 percent on that. You know, it's it's one thing. Kids do need to be kids, and you know, I don't I, I don't I don't think there's the need to you know we want kids to play multiple sports year round. I I do because those are the best athletes. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, if a kid wants to get better, it's it, it's they should be allowed, and, and if not, they're going to find. You know, they're going to find somebody who will. And then a lot of times you can you can have people out there who, you know, are self-proclaimed specialists in certain things. And some of them are really good. You know, these 
the you know sports coaches that are outside and some aren't as good but they're they're all willing to uh you know take take the money from the from the parents if they're willing to pay it um you know whereas if if the coaches are there if we're working with the kids i'm not getting paid any extra to work with my kids i have a vested interest in them besides uh you know financially because yeah. i want them to be you know i want that's, that's going to help our, that's going to help our team out yeah, that's exactly, and like you said, it's it's what you guys are getting paid to do as as coaches, as coach the kids. So uh, if the kid wants to go to a different sport, perfect, it's great for them. But also, if they want to, you know, get some whatever in, then it, then you should be able to help them out with that as well. Uh, completely on and agree with that. Hasn't caught up as big in Oklahoma, but they do let them. They do let us get some seven on seven and different things, um, you know, during the summer. So I think it's kind of interesting to see how different people, at least in our state. How they how they use seven on seven and and knowing that they can throw the ball so much um, now how are they going to script their practices around the run game when they do get to put pads on uh, I always make the argument that those are by far the most important days in in that you know I, I think that all the passing games should already be in and so when it is a padded day when we get to play real football or even non padded but you get to really be out there. Uh, doing team stuff, not just seven on seven, that it should be very run heavy uh, and and just kind of, you know, yeah, maybe route timing and some different things, some competition stuff pass-wise, but uh, I always fight for a very run-heavy practices because, hey, you, you've had all off-season or at least all summer and spring to to get your seven on seven in. Now it's time to to take the time that we do have now, and that should already be in. Let's get our, our run game stuff in. Yeah. And every, like I said, every state different. We're, we're limited in our seven on sevens for two, um, you know, like basically two, about two and a half, three weeks in July. Uh, so we, we've got to kind of come out. We come off of the uh, dead period uh, <coughs> on July 9th. And then uh, up until our first day in shoulder pads is when we're uh, allowed to do the, uh, uh, the seven on seven versus other schools. So it's kind of like, you know, you've got to, you if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. So you've got to kind of get that stuff in. Yeah, I agree with you, Hart, man. Those days that, you know, especially up here, I mean, the, the padded days that we do get, it's just like gold. So we have to, we have to take a, take advantage of those. And I'm, I'm hoping they, they kind of, you know, change the rules a little bit here, you know, to, to kind of like they did in, in Oklahoma, you know, wait till the, the spring seasons are done and, and given, you know, a couple week window to where you can do five practices or five padded practices instead of, you know, the only thing we could do in our state is actually go to a, a padded team camp. Well, now, you know, kids haven't hit literally in a year almost, you know, eight, nine months. And now you're asking them to go full go and, and, and have to block and, and tackle. I mean, it's a note, it's a quick whistle in the, in the camp situations, but I just think, you know, for the safety of players, you know, what's wrong with taking a couple of weeks and being able to put, you know, just shells on the kids and, and being smart about it and saying, hey, you got, you know, a half hour a day, even if it was that, I think it would go a long way. Uh, definitely. And there's so many, like you said, there's so much variation between states. We're, we're lucky that we do get some spring ball, but at the same time, we have regulations on how we, you know, have to break the kids in. We're not out there the first day just, you know, going full go, uh, you know, doing Oklahoma drill the first day. Uh, because that's obviously not going to be good for anybody. Like you said, the kids haven't done anything for <laughs> several months. You have to <clears throat> break them in a little bit, but and but we are you know lucky to have we get ten ten days over over three weeks to do uh, 
to do the practices if we want to. Um, and, and there's some teams that choose not to do them because, you know, they've got a lot of guys that are doing other sports. Um, so it just, it just depends on, you know, what you have, uh, you know, because you go out there and you realize you're missing half your team because they're playing the other sports. And then, you, you know, as a coach, we're going to get frustrated because we can't get done <laughs> what we want in our head. Um, so we've always tried to use spring ball just to kind of focus on the fundamentals uh, and, and kind of give, give, give some of those guys that maybe, you know, uh, didn't play for us as much last year, but maybe we're looking at for this year, uh, you know, give them a chance to it's kind of see what they can do uh, on the individual level. Well, Coach, uh, you know, kind of running up now on an hour, uh, but uh, an unbelievable and, and fun hour, and, and, man, they always go – so fast but um coming up on an hour uh i always like to ask guys the same thing when you're watching another team's offensive line what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think really highly of their offensive line coach um yeah, yeah I, that's uh that's a really good question i think i think the number one thing is you know gonna see them uh you know i moving in unison you know especially like if they're you know a zone team or whatever but just seeing they uh, that they're they're all taking the right steps because that's the hardest thing i think especially with with, with high school offensive linemen um uh is is getting them and, and, and watching their footwork as far as making sure they're taking the right steps um because you know there's a, there's a big difference if you're telling them on a down block if you want to step with the right foot instead of the left foot there's a there's a reason for that um and uh that that if the, if the coaches are getting them to do that and take all the right steps, you know, then usually they're going to set the correct angles and they're going to have success. And the, and number two, the most important thing I think for the offensive line, you know, especially if you're a run team, is just you know the, the get off. Are they able to knock people you know back and control the line of scrimmage? Because um, you know I've seen that. I mean, we've all seen guys that are you know if, if you're big and strong, it's easy to do that. But we've all seen you know teams that are small and and you look at them on film and you know they shouldn't be able to do that, but they're knocking knocking people back and I think that's a sign of a good culture and a good coach because a lot of that uh, you know offensive line I, I still think is you know you've got your technique but at the end of the day you've got to move somebody uh, you know out of the way against their will and uh, getting those guys to buy into that and and being aggressive I think is a huge is a huge sign of a well coach and a good offensive line. Love it, Coach Man. You're you're getting me excited for the uh, for the off season. We get to talk a little a uh, little offense, a little offensive line and. You know, and I, and I love hearing when, when coaches can come on and, and they talk a little bit about, you know, having to make, you know, some changes, you know, based on their personnel or, or based on, you know, uh, personal things in their life. I think it shows, you know, that, that growth mindset that we all kind of strive to have. So, again, very, very appreciative of you coming on and, and spending some time with us and, and look forward to hearing how the, the adapter die does go, Coach. Yeah, like I said, it'll be, it'll be interesting, uh, you know. Um, there's a lot of, like I said, good resources out there and then some of the stuff we're just trying to find what works, works best for us. But, you know, we've got to, uh, constantly do that. And, you know, I, I don't know that, you know, earlier in my career, if I would have been, uh, I probably would have been more stubborn and resistant to change. But now I think, you know, it's a little getting a little bit older, just realize to try to do the best for what you have. And then your system's got to change and you've got to adapt. Cause like I said, we gotta, we've got to adapt to our kids. We don't get to get, we don't get to get the kids to adapt to our system. We've got to, we only get what's walking through the hallways. So, uh, yeah, that's the, that's the, that's the great thing and the, and the bad thing sometimes about coaching high school football. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, 
long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.